I'm redeemed. Amen. We can say so this morning. We got something to shout about, something to rejoice over because of what God has done in our lives and his mercy that endures forever. Amen. I know his mercy is new every morning. And I know his mercy has brought you here to the house of God. Amen. God to deal with your heart, speak to your life, reveal to you in a, himself to you in a very personal way. He's that kind of God today. Do you love him? Amen. Let's just bow our heads to him just a moment. Let's talk it over with him as we come into his presence with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. We come just to worship him, just to say, Lord, I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for mercies. Thank you for freedom of worship and spirit of truth. Lord, thank you that we have truth but spirit to go with it. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit but truth to go with it. Thank you, Lord, for true balance. Whether we can walk in the liberty of the faith. We can enjoy the blessings of heaven. And the dewdrops from heaven just come down and shine all around us as it reflects the glory of God. And may, Lord, oh God, today that we just enjoy your presence, that the word would go forth in power and that you would speak to hearts and lives and you reveal yourself to your children today in a very special way. That you would take the lonely, the distraught, the forgotten, the worried, the discouraged, the sick, the afflicted. Pull them up next to you today, Lord. Oh God, and just let them know that they're loved and cared for by a loving God who understands humanity and our needs. Lord, I, I just pray, oh God, for your little bride around the world, wherever they're assembled, hearing already from South Africa and different ones today, Lord, from different nations that are streaming in and, and coming into this service together with us. I pray, oh God, you just put your arms around your people. Bring them up next to you. Whisper the love secrets. Open up the eyes of their understanding that they can see the hope of their calling. Lord, we've sung about Zion today. We've sung about the joys of God. We've sung about a New Testament church rising up. Lord, we believe that we are the people of the book and that we're here in the land of the book. And in that land, there is a New Testament, a people of the covenant that is rising up, taking their place and position. I pray, oh God, that each one, Lord, today will rise to take their position in you. Bless your children. Meet the needs of your people. Heal the sick among us. Lord, lift up the discouraged and cause of faith to rise in their hearts. 
I pray, Lord, for those that need mercy, that mercy will be extended, that grace will be given, forgiveness of sin, that you do work in lives and hearts in a special way today. In Jesus' name, as we open up the Word of God, open up our hearts, Lord. We can do nothing without you. So we're asking for your anointing today. As we have prayed and labored and studied, tried to lay in your presence, Lord, worshiped and thanked you. Now, Father, it comes time to take the bread and break it. I pray, oh God, that today that there will be the bread of life that will be broken in this place. Each person handed their portion. And may they be filled, Lord. For you said that those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So if they're hungry today, I pray that you'll feed them. Lord, I pray that those that needed just a new drink of the new wine of God, that you'll just pour out a refreshing today from your presence. Ever need, Lord. Speak, I pray, in Jesus' name. Those, Lord, that are listening, joining in, they're sick at home with the flu or whatever their situation is, they're not able to be in the service in the house of the Lord. They crave to be here. They'd love to be sitting here on a pew or standing in the congregation. But today, sickness has struck them down. May they know they're not forgotten, but you're a God that cares. Go by their way. Rebuke the fevers, the causes of it, and stop the plague in the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord and be in his presence this morning. Amen. Enjoy the goodness of God. Aren't you glad for him this morning? Amen. We're just praying that God will speak to us today in a very special way. And I want to thank you for coming, for being with us. Amen. We have different ones that are here with us. And I was just looking around. Ruth, your mama, come. I, is she there? Okay. I caught a glimpse of her there in between the people. Sister Ristler, God bless you. Nice to have you back in service today. And pray the Lord's blessings upon you in a special way. And amen. Our, our brother James McAllister slipped in on us. God bless you, brother James. Teresa back there. Nice to see you, sis. God bless you. Each one of you that have gathered in his name today, it's just wonderful to be in the house of God and be able to say, Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness. You've been so good to us. Amen. I, I, I watched today as I passed by certain houses and seeing the way people were dressed and knowing, knowing they wouldn't go into church and, and then others that were, you know, that pulled out in front of me and turned over to a little church here or there. And I said, thank you, Lord, for those people, you know, trying to go to your house today to worship you and, you know, to find, find you know, may they find the, the, the desire of their heart that they're hungering for. And, and those that are heathen that, you know, that don't uh, even observe the day or come together to honor the resurrection, may God reach out and save them. Amen. May he rescue the perishing because we're living in the last days. Amen. And look around at you and see your children here in the house of God, young people that are here to serve him. We are very blessed people.
to have the have our gathering like this and seeing young men, young women that have been raised up, nurtured in the things of God. And you know what greater hope could you have as a young person to 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 than to know Jesus and to know what he does in your life and how he changes you and makes you into a new creation and uh, a son or daughter of God. And then, you know, with the blessings that flows, you know, the greatest thing you could ever have is salvation. Then the next greatest thing is to have a wonderful mate. And that all only comes by Jesus. Don't come out from out in the world. It comes by Jesus. So, you know, and then the blessings just flow from there on and on and on and on. And they just pass from one generation to another generation. And you want to, you know, even, even maybe your children are all grown and raised. And you say, well, Brother Tim, they're all grown and raised. And I don't need church. Oh, yes, you do. You need to come and worship the Lord together and, and then encourage others to do the same. Amen. So God bless you for assembling together. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read today a few of the verses of Scripture. And I'm going to be speaking on rolling away the reproach. Rolling away the reproach. So Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1. Read this together with me as we either on the board as you're looking or there in your Bibles or however. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on this side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their hearts melted and neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. And at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came out forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. But the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord uh, swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. 
No, I've spoken to you about crossing over into the Holy Ghost, which is our promised land. It's the land of our inheritance and how we have been positioned there. And I I thought today many of the songs that we we sung, you know, even uh, point out to us our position, our place, and uh, what we're called for in this day and hour. And, um, you know, and and of course, um, I have spoke to you about you know, continuously about crossing over into the Holy Ghost and his promises. And, and, and why, why is this? Because it is as it was in the days of Noah, the Bible says, that we should reckon that day. And of course, we see the marriage, the given in marriage. We see the evil in the land. And you know that the hearts of men on evil continually. We see all of that. But we also know that there in that day was a message, and that message was get in the ark. And of course, today the ark we must get into is not this church, it's not a certain group of people, but it is the ark is the Holy Ghost, and that is the message today. So as Noah would scream out in his day, there's going to be rain that will fall from heaven. We are saying there is fire that is about to fall from heaven. And God has given us a way out of this, all through and over the judgment, into a rapture, into a millennium ahead. So, you know, the whole message of God is get in the ark. Amen. And of course, again, the ark is the Holy Ghost. Now, it is so important. That, that in the second seal, as the angels were breaking the mystery of God, that God would charge the people through the messenger, you who have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, fall to your knees and don't get up until the Holy Spirit has sanctified you thoroughly and filled you with his love and his goodness until your soul is so satisfied in the presence of God that your whole desire is to serve him and walk with for him and work with him all the rest of your life. Now, you know, he could have just said, you know, you don't need the Holy Ghost. We got something greater. The seals are open, but that ain't what he said. He said that here, as you who have not been filled, fall on your knees and receive it. It is, it is of course, imperative even to, to, to know what God has charged us to do in this day. And the prophet is charging us as the seals are open. You know, make sure you have that token. Now, you say, but, well, Brother Tim, this is a moot to me. It really does, it doesn't apply. I'm already in the land. Well, I'm just saying to you, get deeper in it. Amen. Possess it all and dispossess your enemy. You see, I I want to look at the the apostle Jude's word in chapter 1, verse 20. He said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God looking for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So again, you know, stay in the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Build 
yourself up on, your, on the most holy faith. Exercise your faith. Prepare yourself for battle. Amen. Amen. Get ready to dispossess your enemy. Get ready to possess every promise of God. Amen. Oh, let me tell you, you, you need to look into the word of God today and say, I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. Amen. Whatever the word says, that's what I'm going to do it. Amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice here, here is a commission to every one of you who are spirit-filled. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever prayed until the Holy Ghost just took you over? Have you ever prayed in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to intercede through you? Pray in effectual, fervent prayers that avails much? This is an important part of possessing your land. Amen. Being able to defend your position or, or deep or dispossess the enemy. It's important that you know how to pray. You know how to pray powerful atomic bombs of prayer. Brother Bradham said it's the most powerful weapon there is that is, uh, that is on the face of the earth is prayer. He said it's more powerful than an atomic bomb. I, I wonder, is the church using it? Are they afraid of, of, uh, of what the world will say or what others will say? Or are they afraid to use what God has given them? Are we effectively using our prayers? Keep yourself in the love of God. We're admonished. Keep yourself in the love of God, forgiving one another, holding no grudges. Amen. Letting it go. Old arts, let them go. Hard feelings, let them go. This is all about dispossessing your enemy. Loving one another as Christ loved the church. Amen. Seeing God move, you know, and, and, and believing God for, for your family, for that which is lost. So, well, I've got the Holy Ghost, Brother Tim. I've already got it. I've got everything you're preaching about. Well, get it in your marriage. Amen. Let it come. Let there come an atmosphere of godliness about you and positive, faith-filled words that come out of your mouth. Amen. Many of you need to say, God, retrain my mouth. I, I've been uttering things that are unbelief. I've been uttering things of what I see or what I hear or the circumstances around me rather than, than using faith-filled words. I can't overcome. I can't rise above this. I can't have a happy home. I can't have God move on my behalf. I can't walk in health and healing. You see, again, it has to come something to change of the Holy Ghost, change the atmosphere about you where you quit seeing things in a negative light and see things in a positive light. Looking for mercy. Learning to live, to give and show mercy. One of the most harmless spirits that I've ever, I've seen among message followers is wanting to condemn everyone else to hell. Amen. I'll tell you what, if you knew what hell was about, you wouldn't want nobody to go there, not even your worst enemy. In fact, the matter is, Brother Branham said, you know, there is no mortal, no matter what they have done, that can condemn another. He said, I'll tell you, he said, no man, no mortal cannot condemn another. 
And even Jesus, when he was given opportunity to condemn, he said, neither do I condemn you. Just go and sin no more. The Bible said of some have compassion making a difference. Amen. Here in the Holy Ghost, you can have compassion and make a difference. You can make a difference in a, in a young person's life or somebody else's life, lifting a burden, helping in a situation. And the Bible says, others save. And I think this is really applicable to us because the fire is about to fall. He said, others save, pulling them out of the fire. And hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. Hating even the garment, refusing to wear the garment spotted by flesh. Not just shunning evil, but shunning even its appearance. How do I overcome, Brother Tim, and things? How do I win the battle? It's not just by shunning the evil, but a shunning even the appearance of it. You walk away as far as you can. You, you, you refuse to walk, in, you know, along with, in, in, in the past with unbelievers. You hold yourself up true, yet having compassion and mercy and inviting them to come and walk with you. Now, in our reading, Israel types a believer, and they have left the wilderness, haven't come through, as we would say, the believer coming through justification, sanctification, and up to the Azusa Street tasting of the Holy Ghost at Kadesh. But now Joshua has directed them into the land of promise, and the, and the Jordan has rolled back. And, 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 and of course, in this crossing the Jordan represents death. Now, here every denomination, when it, as, as we see, everything comes to his Jordan. Everything is coming to his Jordan. Every system of man, every kingdom of man, everything is coming to its Jordan. Every denomination has come to its Jordan. God no longer uses them. God used them for time, and they were a blessing for time, but that's not his method today of his message. Amen. The message for the rapture is it doesn't come through denominational trumpets. So every denomination comes to its Jordan, every creed of man, every man's idea, and every man's theology has to come to its Jordan. You just can't bring it in with you. Not in being the land. And this is what we are in this church age. You cannot bring Laodicea with you. You cannot bring its lukewarmness. You cannot, you cannot rely upon its riches. Amen. You, you understand its riches will not get you in a rapture. There's only one thing, and that's a gold that is tried by fire. And so, again, you, you see, we're in this church age that every system of man has come to his Jordan and has died in the wilderness, and we have arrived to the Holy Ghost and its fullness. You say, oh, Brother Tim, that, 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 is, a, that is a something everybody knows. No, that is, this has not been true to this age. 
Since the first age, there was a departing from the faith. And only in this day has our God brought us back to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Each other age received its portion of the Spirit that would be justified by faith or sanctified or have the gifts of the Spirit as Azusa Street. But only in this age and this time has God brought a people back to the fullness. So tell me, when has there ever been a time to preach the Holy Ghost like right now? Because right now it's being poured out in his fullness. Not portions of the Spirit. Not even something of anointing on your spirit realm. But something within the soul. Something that seals to the day of redemption. So it represents... Every believer where Jordan represents where every believer comes, where you die to self. And with self rolled back, then you pass through the Jordan. Through and leaving sin and unbelief behind, that must stay in the wilderness. It don't fit in the Holy Ghost and the land of the Spirit. Remember the divine order now. There was a divine order of bringing them across. God had commanded Joshua to take the ark representing the word on the shoulders of the Levites and to pass through this Jordan. You see, again, God had an ordained way and he ordained that through preaching of the word that man might be saved. Amen. Paul said it pleased God to the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. So, so again, uh, how was it that the Jordan is crossed? It is crossed by the word on the shoulders of the Levite making the way across. The preaching of the word will get you to the altar through to death to self to come to your Jordan Amen, to realize sin is sin and wrong is wrong. Amen, and to condemn you of the, of the evil in the past so it can die. Yeah, I mean condemn it, that it will die. Because you cannot bring sin across into the Holy Ghost. And it takes the preaching of the word to do that. You remember in the, in the scripture, even to return the word as we have had the return of the word in this day. Again, we didn't get a new word. A new word didn't come. It was the return of the word. And the same gospel that Paul preached returned to the church. David had brought, David had a desire to bring the ark back, to put it back in its place, to bring it to Jerusalem. Because, you know, everywhere that the ark was, the blessings flowed. And because of the battle, because of Ichabod being written over the doors of the hearts, because that the glory of the Lord had departed, because that the ark had been taken down to the Philistines, it had been moved out of its place. And I'll tell you what, we have went for years and years and years with the word out of its place. We have went through centuries and ages and times with the word of God being out of its place. This is the day it returns. Hallelujah. Do you realize where you're at? You're in the day where the word is put back in its proper place and God is given preeminence. 
you're, 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 in the, you're in the day and the age where the truths of the Bible that have been misplaced are now placed in the proper place. Now I want you to think of this. David did it. He wanted the word returned. But he actually brought death because he tried to bring the ark the same way the Philistines did. You see, he used their example. They made, a, they made an oxen and a card with a, and pulled by oxen or by, by some cows. And, and here they were, uh, they take it, taken these and put the ark on it and put offerings in it and all of that because judgment had struck them because they had the ark of God. Amen. Let me tell you. Here he stayed right down at the edge of Israel and had not been put in the proper place. And David said, the word's got to be put back in the proper place. That ought to be the desire of every Christian today. Lord, every word put right in his proper place. Whether it's holiness, let it be in his proper place. Amen. Whether it's healing, let it be put in his proper place. You know, when the healing is put in the proper place, then the miracles take place. When the gifts of the Spirit are put in the proper place, God speaks. Amen. God reveals himself. But David there tried to bring the ark like the Philistines did, and God had an ordained way to bring it. And he failed to consult the word. He failed to consult the prophet. Amen. The prophet would have told him the word. Amen. And so here he comes along with his own homemade new ox cart and, and bring it along. And, and they're dancing and they're shouting and they're rejoicing and everything before the ark. And a man, a sincere man, reached out to steady the ark when, it's, when the oxen stumbled. And he died. You see, it shows it will bring death for those not anointed of God to handle the ark. You, you, you have to be careful with this. You've you got to realize even today, only the anointed of God, only the anointed of God can handle the ark. It takes a man called. It takes a man set apart. It takes a man consecrated. It takes a man who is a Nazarite to God. Amen, dedicated to God, anointed by the Spirit. Not somebody who just decides I'm going to be a preacher, but somebody called of God and ordained of God to be used of God. That's why we must have God called men. Now, death didn't come because David rejoiced and danced before the Lord. That's not the reason death came. Death came because he didn't consult the word for how to bring the ark. He copied the way the Philistines had sent the ark and, and back on a new ox cart pulled by, by some oxen. And David, David would, would, would stop and, you know, because of Uzzah's death, and they call it the breach of Uzzah, you know, and, and there he went back and, and, and somehow, no doubt consulting with the prophet, what did I do wrong? What did we do to displease God? What did we do to cause death to a man? Why did this happen? And the prophet come back to him and said, well, you didn't bring it God's ordained way. I've got a way to have the word brought. And 
the word must be restored by being carried on the shoulders of the Levites. Amen. Now, it's the word that must be carried. Notice, not creeds of men. A lot of men carry something. And they're carrying a lot of things to the pulpit this morning, but they're creeds of man. Dogmas set forth by man, man's idea. None of that will open Jordan. Amen. It will, none of that will open the promised land and all its promises. But any true minister will carry the word, opening up the Jordan into the Holy Ghost. A creed, a creed or dogma of saying, I believe the message will not get you across Jordan. Preaching psychology, the study of the mind, the science of personality won't get you into the Holy Ghost. It, it won't even fix your marriage or your kids. But a good dose of the Holy Ghost will. Amen. Brother Jim, what book should I read? Well, why don't you read? Start with this one right here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Amen. Wives, be obedient to your husband as unto the Lord. Why don't you just start with that? Why don't you just start with just letting the love of God so permeate your heart until it changes the atmosphere in your life and your home? Oh, the only way you can come through Jordan of death to self and the Holy Ghost is by following the word carried by true ministry. And I just want to say, there is a true ministry. I, you know, I've, I've, had to say, I've had to say to someone who, who told me, well, I don't believe in the ministry. I don't believe in preachers. I don't believe in pastors. I ain't found one that's true. Everyone that's going astray. And I looked back and I said, you can't say that and be a believer. It's impossible. That's impossible. If you're a believer, you have to believe what God said. And God said, God said, I said in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Some people can't be pastors. They evidently aren't cheap. They sit right there and with a, in the hearing of the ear that is still uncircumcised, cannot hear what the Spirit is saying. Amen. But you see, again, again, I don't care how many false ministries rise up, there has to be a true one somewhere. Amen. It's, it's impossible for it not to. As I spoke to this brother about it, you know, and he said, well, I don't believe in preachers. I don't believe in pastors. There ain't never one of them. I ain't never found one that's right. I have never found one that has stayed true. I've always seen them sway and pull away. And I said, well, then you got a problem bigger than I thought. You have a problem with your God. Your God is a little bitty weak God and a powerless God. Because if he's not able to keep a man true to him and have someone to preach the unadulterated word, he ain't God. He ain't big enough. But I want you to understand that God has raised up men in this hour just like he's raised up a bride in this hour. Men who will be true to the word. The word still must be carried on the shoulders of ministers. Jesus commissioned us to do it. He showed that the word preached by the ministry would open the river of death to self 
and make an entrance into the land of the promise. True preachers are going to help you across Jordan. They're going to make a way across Jordan. They'll make altar calls available. Amen. They'll preach sermons with conviction, with power to change lives. Amen. Because they will stand in the middle of the river of Jordan. Amen. With their feet planted in it and see the waters part so you can cross. I want you to consider the last words and the last instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said in Mark 16, 15, he said, go to all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This is what his whole desire was, the instructions that he had, was to give a commission. And let me just say, this is the great commission. And Brother Branham told us clearly, denominations cannot fulfill this. He said they can't agree on one scripture, much less all of the scripture. And all the seven seals have been opened. I'm quoting you from the Invisible Union. You can go read it yourself. And and he said, you know, there the the seals have been opened. And he said, now, now the great commission can be fulfilled. Do you realize we are the people that must fulfill the commission? That we must finish the job. Hallelujah. Not just preachers. Every one of us. There's a bride, not preachers. Amen. God's not taking a bunch of preachers and them only. He's taking a bride of people without spot or wrinkle. And I'm talking about you. And we have a commission to fulfill. Luke 24, 47 said that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So again, here was the instructions, the last words of Jesus, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached. Amen. This is an important part of the word to do is preach repentance. Preach remission of sins. Preach there's a God rich in mercy. Preach there's a God of grace that is bigger than your problem, bigger than your past, bigger than your sins. But he instructed them not to preach until they were endued with power from on high. That don't you go, don't you do anything till you're endued with power from on high. But when you get the Holy Ghost, then preach. Because God doesn't want men preaching without the Holy Ghost. I've heard men brag and say, I can can preach without the anointing. Well, I don't want to hear it. It's worthless. Amen. It's just only puffed up ideas of man. If you can preach without the anointing, it's worthless. We must have the anointing. Every service has got to be anointed. Every sermon has to be anointed. Amen. Every prayer, an anointed prayer. Amen. You know, and we ought to be a people that come together and say, God, whatever happens in this service, let the anointing fall. Don't let us have a song without the anointing. I thought, I thought today as I come to church and I just push the button and listening to uh, some, well, I guess they call it gospel grapes or something. I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can, 
Uh, maybe I can enjoy a song from this as I go to church. And I heard leaning, you know, leaning on the everlasting arms. And then they broke out into another. And, you know, I, I thought it was a, a great song, you know, as it did. But then it turned off just to be a, see how you could show off how great your voice was. Reach the highest notes and, you know, everybody to admire how great a singer this was. And, you know, all of that, that's not glorifying God. That's not worship. Worship is when a song gets anointed. When we get moved by the Spirit and, and the Holy Ghost falls down upon us. Amen. I believe in anointed musicians. I believe we got them. I believe in anointed singers. I believe we have them. Amen. I believe the song service was anointed this morning with an anointed, anointed song leader. Amen. I believe the whole service needs to be anointed. And I believe the preacher needs to be anointed, but I also believe the congregation needs to be anointed. And I say, God, let the anointing, let don't remain just here on the pulpit, but let it flow out all the way from the front, all the way to the back pew. When Peter preached, he opened up the path the path through the Jordan over into the Holy Ghost. He was given the key to do so. The key to back in the days of Joshua was the priest take the word, put it on the shoulders, and it'll open up a path. This same key was used by Peter. You don't believe it? Let me tell you, when they come out of the upper room and they were empowered from on high, the first thing that happened was a sermon was preached. An anointed sermon. And it was so anointed, 3,000 got the Holy Ghost afterwards. Hallelujah, they all come under that anointing. Verse 14 of chapter two of Acts says, but Peter standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice. Well, I don't believe in shouting. Well, you just got in the wrong crowd. Hey Amen, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, the voice gets lifted up. Oh yeah, I realize Jesus taught in the streets, didn't lift his voice, but also realized that he stood at the feast and cried, shouted, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Hallelujah. And here Peter, an anointed preacher, steps out on the anointing and he lifts up his voice and said, you men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known to you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose. See, and this is the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel has spoken. Listen, he pointed right to the word. Amen. Here he is carrying the word. This is how. I'm going to explain what has happened. You don't understand what is happening, but let me tell you, I can show you by the scripture, and the scripture opened up understanding and opened up Jordan for many men and women that day, and they were filled with the Spirit of God. What is Peter doing? He's shouldering the word. And as he shoulders the word, then the question is asked, what shall we do, brethren? What shall we do, men and brethren? And here he comes back again with prophetic words that are just as prophetic today. Repent. Amen. Leave your sin behind you. Amen. Come down through death to 
himself cross over this Jordan and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even right now to 2023, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And he's still calling. And you think his sermon was short? It wasn't. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same that were added to them was about 3,000 souls. You think it stopped there? Did preaching stop there? They hung it up from there? No. At the house of Cornelius, souls were saved when the word was preached. While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that believed. Amen. Oh, my. The preachers today would stand in the pulpit and preach faith-filled words. Words that will drive out sin and unbelief where the Spirit of God will fall upon the people. Amen. Here again, he said in, in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is through the preaching of the word that men shall call. Verse, verse 14, Romans 10, 14 now. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, God has an ordained way to get across this Jordan. And the, way, the ordained way is the word carried on the shoulders of the Levite. And he says, and how can they hear without a preacher? Well, there ain't none of them right. You've got a problem. Your problem's with God. You need to get it fixed. Amen. And how shall they preach except they be sent? So there again, they have to be sent of God to be able to preach. We don't want men just getting up and saying whatever comes to their mind or their own ideas. Come on. We want men that are sent, ordained, called, charged, filled with the Spirit, knows how to cast Satan out. Amen. Knowing they're charged, they have an ordained charge, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. And how shall they preach except to be sent? As written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they've not all, all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? You see, no matter how much the preacher preaches, the report has to be believed. And the effect on it is going to be on you believing it. If you believe the report, then the arm of the Lord will be revealed to you. It's easy for you as men just to fall on the doctor's report. Amen, come on. Amen, but let's look at what was his report. His report here is, amen, by his stripes you were healed. So therefore, what report are you going to believe? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God preached. Say, so it didn't say that. It did say that. That's exactly what it was talking about, preaching the word. 
And faith comes by hearing the word when it's preached. Amen. The whole object of getting people together like this this morning is that faith would rise to the level of the promise so there can be deliverance in the house of God. Amen. Look at the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a man of great position under Queen Candace who was in charge of all of her treasure. And this man had come to Jerusalem and he had a scroll and he was reading from the book of Isaiah as he rode along in his chariot. And an angel comes and appears to Philip who's an evangelist. The Bible calls him an evangelist. And led him to take a, a desert route. And, and as he is walking along, he's, he, he joins there along the trail with a man, this eunuch. He's from Ethiopia. And he's reading, he's reading and, and, uh, from Isaiah. And the angel directs Philip to join him in his chariot. So Philip running up to him, heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you really understand what you're reading? Now, listen, he was, re- he was hearing the words of the prophet. He was reading the recording. Amen. He was rehearsing the recording of the prophet of God and he didn't understand what he was reading until a preacher preached. That why we don't need them, brother. You might need them more than you think. I know, you know, that that really goes against the grain because a lot of people don't think, I need a preacher. I don't need a pastor. They'll show up when they want to, attend when they want to, pretend when they want to. Amen. But I'll tell you what, this, this man realized, he said, how, how can I understand it unless someone guides me? So he invites Philip to get up on the chariot with him. And the place that he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his sharer, so he opened not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So he looks over there at Philip, he said, you know, this, this man, this prophet, he's speaking, is this of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, this would lead to the man's conversion. It would open up the Jordan for him. And lead him into the land of the Holy Ghost. So the man said, here's water. What is hinder? I want to be baptized right now. Amen. And here he gets baptized. And immediately the Spirit of God picks Philip up and transports him, I don't know how many miles away, to another place. That's the way the gospel started. That's the way the gospel has to end. Amen. Now, Brother Bradham tells us in spoken words in the original seed, he goes over this and he said, although an angel directed Philip to the eunuch, he did not preach to, the angel did not preach to the eunuch, he sent a preacher. Amen. Well, God don't use angels no more. Yes, he does. Don't use them for you because you don't believe. But he still uses angels. 
And, but God never committed, I want you to get this, he never committed his preaching and his gospel to an angel. I'm quoting to a prophet of a prophet right now, Brother Branham. Amen. God came down below angels and committed to man, which are sons. He never committed it to angels. You say, well, if an angel was preaching that, God didn't ordain angels to preach the gospel. He ordained men to preach the gospel. He never said to the angels, I'll be with you and in you. He said to men, I'll be with you and in you. He never said to angels, the things I do, you'll do also. He said to men, the things I do, you'll do also. The gospel comes by preaching of the word. God manifests himself through human beings. Amen. The only eyes that God has on earth is mine and yours. The only hands he has is our hands. God working in his people. God in his universe. God in his word. God in his son. God in his people. Amen. I actually took that from two different places, sources. But listen to this. In the message, look. He said God could have chose to preach the gospel by the sun, by the moon, by the stars, by the wind, or by nature. But he chose men to preach the gospel. And that's where the voice of God will come from. So Brother Tim, can it come from Jeffersonville? Yeah, if men preach it. Amen. Can it come from Tucson? Yeah, when men preach it. The gospel must be preached into all the world so the end can come. Amen. You, you know, here, here we come. The devil has done his job to take every gift from the church and now has attacked the ministerial gifts and say there ain't no more. Because why? It's God's way of speaking to his church. The voice of God will come from the eunuch have been to Jerusalem, we know, to, to worship. He had been with all the great rabbis, but he, but, he, but he couldn't understand the scripture. So here he's studying the prophecy of Isaiah. And even though an angel directed Philip to the eunuch, the germ of life had to come through the body, through Philip. Now, so what's now? He said, here's a son. Philip had the germ, the message, the word. That's how a child can be born. Philip laid his hands upon him. Philip baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ. There came forth the Spirit of God. Now the germ had to come from the body. What body? Christ's body, correct? And Philip was a member of that body. Oh, that's why it's so important. The body realizes we have the germ of life. Amen. To impart to those, an angel can't do your job. Again, spoken words, original seed. He said, the same thing took place in Acts. 1048, Philip was on the housetop. An angel directed him to Cornelius' house. But where did the word come from? The body. An angel come and said, don't worry. Don't call nothing unclean. Just go on. Don't think nothing. And while Peter spoke these words, not the angel, not the cardinal. While Peter spake these words, what? He was the body. He had the word. The word took hold. Oh, brother. Oh, my. The angel directed it. But life come through the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Life comes through the body. Oh, it's important then that the body be filled with the spirit. 
that an atmosphere of the Spirit of God is there where people can cross their Jordan. Paul on his way to Damascus, same thing, a vision directed him, but Ananias had the germ. He had the word, the prophet Ananias saw a vision, said, go up and lay your hands on him. And said, Brother Saul, the Lord appeared to you in the road coming down. How did he know? He had the word. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. He prophesied, laid hands on him. He come, he has sent me up here. I might, I might lay my hands upon you and you would be healed and receive the Holy Ghost. Receive your sight. The scales fell off of his eyes. He rose he, and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and went to study. The angel directed it, that's right, but Ananias had the seed germ. It takes the Spirit of God to give eternal life. Hallelujah, it has to come through the body. Amen. Now, you say, well, Brother Tim, that's the problem. We don't, you know, we don't have prophets anymore. You know, every, every preacher of the gospel is a New Testament prophet. By the way, that's a quote. Every preacher of the gospel is a New Testament prophet. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know what people are expecting Brother Joseph to be other than a preacher because that's the only kind of prophet he could be. Amen. A preacher, a lowly preacher. One of them that's, you know, that's, uh, that's scorned and, and disbelieved in and said has nothing to say. That's all he can ever be is a preacher. Every, new, every preacher is a New Testament prophet. Every anointed man of God preaches under the anointing, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He actually prophesies while he preaches. Amen. If you can receive it as God speaking to you this morning, if the word is being preached and says you're healed, you can receive that and say, I'm healed. Why? Because God just spoke by the anointing of God. And he said a pastor in the pulpit is, is has more authority than an angel from heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, well, they're not needed. Well, okay. Find out if you're word bright or not. If you're word bright, you'll believe all the word. Philip was sent to the eunuch. This is from signs of his coming. Certainly, Lord, he was sent there by an angel, but it took Philip's hands. We realize a vision came to Paul on his road to Damascus, but it took Ananias' hands, the church, the called out, the elected one. Peter was sent by vision to Cornelius, but it took the apostle, not the vision, not the angel. God, I pray that you'll wake the people up and let them see the promises here. It was given to the church. Whosoever sins you remit to them, they're remitted. Lord, we know there's many of them that claim it, but they're unauthorized apostles because they're unscriptural. Now, you see, for believers to be filled, the germ of life, the Holy Ghost, has to pass through the body. A church isn't necessary. It has to pass through the body. The assembly of believers isn't necessary. The pastor isn't necessary. It has to pass through the body. God has to have a body of believers with preachers who believe to pass on the germ of life. 
Amen. When you see people in, you know, that, in a church full of people that are not spirit-filled, you know there's a problem. Either the body is, is dead or the preacher is dead or both. We need live ministry. Amen. We need live ministry. Live ministry is anointed ministry, called ministry, set-apart ministry. God hiding himself in simplicity. Brother Branham said he could have ordained a son if he wanted to deliver him. He could have ordained a wind to deliver him. He could have ordained an angel to deliver him. But hallelujah, God can do whatever he wants to do. Well, how do you know, Brother Branham? God won't leave his program. That's the reason we know that this day has got to be simple. God always works in simplicity. God in the beginning that could have made the sun preach the gospel or the winds preach the gospel or an angel preach the gospel, but he ordained men for that purpose and he never changes it. He never ordained denominations. He never ordained groups of men. He ordained men to preach the gospel, not machinery, mechanical devices, or any angelic being. It was man. And when he brought deliverance to the people down there, he sent a simple human being born of a simple family and a bunch of slaves speaking of Moses. And he said, oh, what God God he is unfolding himself in simplicity. Amen. Amen. So let's look at Joshua 3, verse 17. And the priest that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people, somebody say all. All the people were passed clean over Jordan. Now, remember what has happened. The Jordan is at its flood stage. It's impossible to cross it. And God has an ordained way to get it open. He wants to open the promised land. Now, remember the Holy Ghost to the believer. And what's he do? He puts the word on the shoulders of the Levites. And they step into the muddy Jordan and it opens. And all the children of Israel pass over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. You see, I want to just point it this way. The Holy Ghost must be preached until all the people are crossed over. Not half the people, not some of the people, not just the elders. But you know, the last little one, every one of them. Amen. And that's why I'm standing here in this Jordan today making a path. Doing the best I can to make sure that every last one of you get over into the Holy Ghost. I don't want to leave none of you behind in the other side in the wilderness. Then Joshua said, now while the water is held back, while a priest are in Jordan, I want every, every tribe get a stone and make a memorial. I'm not leaving this Jordan, you said, until men and women roll up a memorial stone that they can point to and say, it's right here that I crossed over. Hallelujah, that's what every man and woman needs to do. Come on, as you're passing through, pick up a stone of confession. Place 
sit on the other side and look back every time the devil said, you're not in the Holy Ghost, you're not in the land, the promise is not yours. You look back right here, right here is a stone. Right here I crossed over, right here. Now devil, you get out of my land. You're the intruder. I'm not leaving Jordan until men and women roll up a moral stone. You know, you have, you have people screaming at you today, get out of that Jordan. People don't need an experience. All they need to do is just have a mental idea they've crossed over. A confession of faith. You know, they can confess all faith they want to. They're on the other side of Jordan. They ain't cross. Get on over on the other side. Amen. Now, let me go back over. Satan has put every gift on the shelf. Did you hear what I said? Satan has put every gift of God on the shelf. Whether it be tongues, interpretations, or divine healing, or faith, or working of miracles, or, or you know, whether it be prophecy, all of them, word of knowledge, they have all been put on the shelf. Satan has done a great job putting it on the shelf. Say, so, well, Brother Tim, where are the gifts? Well, the devil put them on the shelf here. Okay. Can you show them to me? Well, No. Uh, I don't. I don't believe we have them. I go to. I go to Brick Street Coffee in the morning, and I say, you know, I want. Well, this menu says that I can have a, a work sandwich. I want that work sandwich. Well, I'm sorry, that was for yesterday. Okay, well, I'd like to have, um, uh, change my order then. I think, yeah, give me one of them nice yogurt bowls. Yeah, uh, this, this one right here. Um, no, that was for last Wednesday. All right, I, I'll, I'll look here again. Um, hey, listen, listen, I'll just settle for a good cup of coffee. Sorry, sir, we ain't had coffee in here in years. I'd look at the proprietor and I'd say, Brother Derek, you're out of business. You're making all kinds of claims that you got all of this. And you have all of this on your menu, but you don't have anything. There ain't even nothing on the shelf. You're not even in business. You're out of business. You're faking. And I'll tell you, every church is a faker don't have the signs, the wonders, the moving of the Spirit of God, the joy in the house of God. Come on, the dancing in the Spirit. I don't care. The least of the gift. If it don't have it, they're out of business. It was for yesterday. Yesterday's menu won't do me no good. I've got to have fresh manna today. Satan has put every gift on his shelf. Now he wants to put the ministry on the shelf. Saying, we don't need them anymore. Some of you in this right here today, you got the ministry on the shelf too. You only want him when you need him. 
You decide you need a little church today, you'll show up. You don't need church the next Sunday, you don't show up. God will never make nothing out of you till you get saved. What kind of salvation? Death to that old self. Amen. Satan has put every gift on the shelf. He now wants to put the ministerial gifts on the shelf. Saying we don't need them anymore. Even though the souls at Pentecost had recorded words of the prophets, they still needed a preacher to tell them the way across Jordan. Even though the eunuch had the recording of the prophet, life had to come from the body through Philip's preaching. Faith had to come to the eunuch by hearing the word preached. If Satan can get the gifts of ministry on the shelf, he'll have this bride defeated. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand right here in this old river Jordan and say to the weary, to the wilderness wanderer, Come on home. There is a path through here. There is a real Holy Ghost and you can experience, you can have it for yourself. You can know that you know that you know that you know. For that day you shall know that I'm in the Father and the Father in me and I in you. I hear the mourners say, ain't nobody in this church wants me. Nobody believes in me. You know, people sometimes get so eat up with guilt and sorrows of your past. Don't stay there. Ain't nobody here wanting you to stay there. Amen. Ain't no real believer. Believer does what I just read. You're in the Holy Ghost. What do you do? You show mercy on some, have compassion, even pull them out of the fire, do anything. You want to see people saved. That's the way it is in this church. We want to see people saved. We, God's not willing that any should perish. Why should we be willing? If I can help a man that I know that's going to go through the tribulation for purging and wind up as a foolish virgin, if I can help him get there, I'm going to help him get there. So should you. Of some have compassion. Making a difference. Well, nobody wants me. Nobody believes in me. I know. You just eat up with your guilt and the sorrows of your past. I'm just saying, don't stay there. None of us want you to stay there. God doesn't want you to stay there. And if we have the Spirit of Christ, we'll show mercy. We're standing in the Jordan. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm saying I don't care how, how you are. If you're weary of sin, if you're tired of the wilderness journey, if you're tired of just going around and around the mountain, if you're still just going back and trying to get justified and forgiven again and, and get you know, there and sanctified again, and, you know, get a little taste of the Holy Ghost, come on in. There's more for you. None of us want you to stay there. We stand in the Jordan. That's where this church stands today. We stand in the middle of Jordan saying, come on over to the winning side. Come on over this Jordan. I'll tell you what you do. 
If you'd like to be accepted in the beloved, forgiven of your sins, then do what Isaiah 55, 7 says. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's the first thing. Forsake that old way. Denounce that old way. Leave that old way behind. Come on. And the unrighteous man is thoughts. Nobody loves me. God don't love me. Church don't love me. Nobody wants me. Forsake those thoughts. Amen. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. If I can get you to just come to Christ, he'll have mercy upon him and to our God for he will. What? Abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. He's a God full of grace and mercy. Amen. He's the father that says to the prodigal, come on home. I've been looking for you. I've been waiting for you. There's been no parties without you. Come on in, then we'll celebrate. And the Holy Ghost lays in every promise. Brother Branham said about the restoration of the bride tree. You'll find this in Palmore and Cankerworm, Caterpillar. But he said, if God doesn't come in my generation, I'll die on the stumps. I'll die on the stump where the canker worms eat it to, believing that Jesus Christ and his church and his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I might not be able to reduce it out there in all these branches because the old sap lines of here, the denomination and creed cut me off and dropped me like a hot potato. That may be true, but I'll stand loyal on the stump and cry that the hour will come. God will restore his church to its former condition. So Brother Bradham said, if, I, if he don't come in my generation, I'm going to stand right here on this stump. And I'm going to say, here the bright tree was laid down. But God said, I will restore. And if he doesn't do it now, he's going to do it. And I'm going to stand there and preach it and believe it until I see it. Amen. True preachers will do the same. They'll die on this stump believing and pointing to a living God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You'll hear it in their desires as they pray. You'll hear it in when they preach. We will see the word returned. And there are ministers, Levites, determined to shoulder it and let David's dance and rejoice before it. Amen. Ain't no true Levite carrying the word and it's being returned and David's are dancing before them and rejoicing and shouting are going to say, oh, don't do that. That's all out of order, boys. You know, this is not what to do now. This is not how dignified message believers are. No, if we're returning the word, let the David's dance. Let the people rejoice. Why? The word's coming back. It's something to be happy about. It's something to shout about. Don't try to stop it and shut it up. They tried to do that with Jesus. And he said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. God's able of these stones to raise children to Abraham, John the Baptist said. If you won't believe, God's going to have somebody who will. Amen. But it can't be carried on the ox carts of denominational theories of receiving the Holy Ghost by a dried-eyed confession. It can't come on ox carts of psychology. Listen, I believe God's training men for this hour. Yes, 
to take the full inheritance. Why would you preach this, Brother Tim? Because I believe this message has been the message that has brought us over Jordan into the Holy Ghost to possess it all. And as God, listen, Brother Brandon said, as God leads his people through great trials to purge them, and sometimes it takes years to do it. And as for myself, I believe that right now God is training such men to meet the front line. Men who are going through and at times shook from their feet. Sometimes look like the whole things have fallen, but yet in the midst of it all, they know that living God and they keep their face forward, keep moving on. That's where we are. We're like Joshua being reckless in our calling. Amen. We need more light. We just call for it. Amen. We call for, we call for the moon to stay in this place and the sun. I mean, that was pretty reckless faith. He dared to believe God's word. God, you've ordained us to take this land, and we're, we're in this battle, and we need more light. Oh, God, as long as we're here, let the light shine. Brother Branham said, and while we, now we're determined to do all we can while the evening lights are shining. Grant it, Lord. This is as he preaches the church ages. May during this meeting cause men and women to take a new hold, newly. May you, may, may you raise up speakers with tongues, interpreters of tongues. May you raise up gifts of prophecy, raise up preachers and pastors, evangelists and so forth, that the church might be edified. Raise up missionaries to go in the field yonder and bring forth this glorious gospel. Wherever the word can, shall go, may it fall into good ground. Bring it forth a hundredfold, for we believe that we're at the end of the age. The consummation is near. So now that we've crossed over, it is the hour to roll away the reproach. So Israel, following the word carried by the Levites, he crossed over Jordan into the land, into the inheritance of the Lord. And the first thing that happens is that, at the, that the reproach of Egypt has to be rolled away by coming into covenant with God through circumcision. The cutting off of the flesh. Notice the first thing into the new land is a rededication, a new consecration, and entering into a covenant. Come on. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. So God had given this covenant to Abram, Abraham and his seed. And circumcision was the sign of his covenant. I want you to stop for a moment as we talk about the Old Testament. And then we'll go into the new because there is a circumcision of the new covenant that is also must be or is required. So in Genesis 7, 11, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token or sign of the covenant betwixt me and you. It's 17, 11, babe. It's my granddaughter up there. In case you wonder who I was calling babe. <laughs> so.
So ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And so this is my covenant, which you'll keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. Look here now the requirement. Then look at what would happen if they don't. Verse 14. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Now, this is pretty serious, right? It's an act that must be kept. It must be followed here. If they're not, they are not in covenant with God, and they they are cut off. So this commandment clearly states that circumcision acts as an outward physical sign of the covenant between God and his people. It was required to be in the covenant in the Old Testament. And for the New Testament, there is also a circumcision required. Now, when God made this covenant, it was during the time of the giving of this covenant, which circumcision would be the sign of, that God there would change Abraham and Sarah's name. He would literally put a letter of his own name within their name, signifying that the only way the supernatural birth of the son could come is by God coming down and becoming one with Abraham. Abraham, you can't do it. You see, Ishmael was the child of his flesh and of his strength, but Isaac was the child of the supernatural power of God. And the only way an old man like that could do it is God to come down in him. Now, when we enter into the covenant of the new births, we are to be circumcised at the heart, and God comes to dwell, empowering you with the supernatural to live an overcoming life. And there, our name is changed from that of our sinner, and we are positioned as a son of God. Once your name, your identity was sinner, now your identity is son. You're recognized as God's child and in covenant with him. So circumcision was a required sign of the Old Testament. But under the new covenant, there was a new circumcision that, was made, that made the required physical circumcision completely unnecessary and obsolete. Now Paul had to deal with the church that believed the physical circumcision was a sign of the covenant with God. So you know they had a big fight in the, in the New Testament church requiring them for physical circumcision because they, they had these Judaizers who were still, the Bible said in Acts chapter 15, who were still Pharisees that believed that couldn't rightly divide the word of truth. And here even Paul and even Peter was trying to tell them, listen, it's not circumcision of the flesh that is needed. We've got a new circumcision today and it's the circumcision of the heart. Now, so Paul would say in Romans 4 and 3, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness and he had that faith before he was circumcised. 
So the physical act of circumcision did not make him righteous. His faith did. But as a sign of his faith that he was in covenant with God, he received the act of circumcision. Now, so before circumcision, Abraham believed God and was declared righteous. But after believing, Abraham must have this sign of circumcision or be cut off. Trying to say, I'm trying to get you something. The same is true of the new birth. Now notice, every child born in the family had to be circumcised. Let me just say, every child born in the kingdom, come on, must be circumcised. He must be born of faith by believing, but then after believing, he must receive from God the sign of circumcision, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And any child without the circumcision, the sign of the Holy Ghost is cut off. None of them will go into rapture. Cut off. Now, Brother Branham was asked, you know, about that, but you know, we have faith. There was a group of men come to him and said, but we have believed on the Lord. He said, you know, what more can a man do that, that believe? And he, you know, Abraham was justified by faith and Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for, for righteousness. So what can a more that a man can do but believe? And he said, he made it clear, you certainly must believe. You must confess with your mouth that Christ is raised from the dead and through his death has cleansed you from sin. But then God gave him the seal of circumcision to confirm his faith. And when a man believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, God gives him the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal that he has recognized his righteous faith and give him the seal of the Holy Ghost. And if you say you believed and you have never received the Holy Ghost yet, then God hasn't recognized your faith. But God gave Abraham a sign of recognition of his faith by circumcision, and he gives you a sign of the recognition of your confessed faith in him when he gives you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal it as a finished work. How long? Until the day of your redemption, not to the next revival, but until the day you're redeemed from this earth. So let's look here, Romans 2 and verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Now, we got a lot of Jews today, anti-Semitism, all that stuff going on in the world today. But those are not the real Jews. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward of the flesh. But he is a Jew. Somebody with me? which is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So now, I, we're talking about Israel. They're Jews, but you're the real Israel. They are seed of Abraham, but you are the royal seed of Abraham. And the way it is is because you are seed of Abraham inwardly, not tracing by your natural birth, but by a spiritual birth. And everyone that is born again is circumcised, amen, what? 
not of the physical, but of the heart. And of the spirit. Look at Colossians 2 and verse 10. And you are complete in him. Colossians 2.10. Which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also you are circumcised. Hallelujah. With the circumcision made without hands. Putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So you are circumcised with a circumcision made without man's hands. What man's hands that circumcise you? That's the natural. But you are circumcised in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You see, it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost that cuts sin in the world off of you. Now, I want to get something to you. You may not realize this when we're preaching this, but this is so different in this covenant. You know, in the the Old Testament, the woman could not be saved except by union with the man. Could not be in the covenant because it was circumcision. And she had to be joined in her to her husband in order to receive it. So the female could not be circumcised. So therefore, the husband was the atonement for her because they're one. But in this last days, it's totally different. God has poured out his spirit. And the women are circumcised in the heart just like the man. Hallelujah. So it's all inclusive. Whether your husband believes or is an unbeliever, doesn't have anything to do with you. Amen. You have your own experience with God. And are circumcised by the Spirit in the heart. It's a circumcision not made with hands. And every child born in the kingdom must have the putting off the body, the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the seal of the covenant. No one can dwell in the promised land of the Holy Ghost without being circumcised. It is the seal of God. Now, every child, every child, every man, every woman in the kingdom must have righteousness imputed to him by faith and then be circumcised by receiving the Holy Ghost. So it is not enough to say, well, I believe. Well, then has God accepted your faith? Because when he accepts your faith, he seals you to the day of redemption. Are you with me? Amen. It's it's important to understand, you, you know, that this is what God requires. Now, look. I want you to understand here that that they were crossing Jordan into the rest of the Holy Ghost. And and here the reproach of Egypt was being removed. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 4.20, He brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be to him a people of inheritance as this day. Listen, sin was going to burn you up. But God brought you out of that. And he called you out of Egypt and brought you out of the slavery of sin. And he removes you from the iron furnace of the fires of hell, of death and destruction of sin into a land of freedom. 
and you're not slaves anymore. You're landowners. And a slave is not a landowner. Come on, somebody. A slave has no rights. A slave belongs to another. Amen. You are freeborn. Hallelujah. You're not slaves anymore. You're here in the new land. And the reproach, the reproach of being slaves and burning in the fires of Egypt. You burned in your sex sins. You burned in your adulteries. You burned in your iniquities. You burned in your, your habits. But now, You have been delivered and brought out of the fiery furnace into the land of an inheritance, the inheritance of the saints. Amen. The circumcision of Abraham, it resulted in a promised son. Remember, that's what his inheritance was. He didn't inherit the land. He was told, your seed will inherit this. But you, you're going to get an inheritance and it'll be a child. Right? So you see, the circumcision of Abraham resulted in receiving a promised child. Now, the inheritance in the book of Joshua in the crossing of Jordan was to receive the promised land of the Abrahamic covenant and required that a people be circumcised in covenant with God with their reproach of Egypt cut off. Buddy, there was a mass circumcision that took place. In other words, there was a, can, can I bring it up today? There was a lot of people got filled with the Holy Ghost. They got in the message. They come across, come on. Amen. They, they might have had their portion in Egypt. They might have had their portion there. They might have had their circumcision and that was their portion there. But when they entered in, these had not, these had not got their birth under them. They had not entered into covenant under them. They are over here in the new land and underneath this word, they enter into a covenant with God. Now who's going to possess the land? Circumcised sons. Those who have cut off, the world cut off, it's sin, it's unbelief cut off. Who's going to possess the land? Those who are no longer slaves. Those who are circumcised, who the Spirit, the Holy Ghost has circumcised, cut off and claimed them and filling them with deity. As I said, it wasn't the angels that he said that I'll be in you and you and me. It's you, he said. I'll be in you and you and me. Amen. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not an angel. Oh, God, we need an angel to come down. We need sons. To recognize their position in the land, in the Holy Ghost, that I'm a field son, I'm a, I'm a called son, I'm an ordained son, I'm an anointed son, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to cast out devils. He's anointed me to heal, to open the eyes of the blind. He promised he would do this, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh until sons and daughters prophesy. Sister, it's as important that the word of God is spoke out of your lips as much as it is your husband or any other brother. It's important that you speak his word. Amen. Anointed until sons see visions. Listen, listen, under, listen, under this covenant, even men are bride of Christ. 
Under this covenant, even women are sons of God. When we say sons of God, we're all inclusive. Because in him there is neither male nor female. And you are circumcised in him. And my sons and my daughters, they shall prophesy. Old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. And of all my handmaids, oh, my daughters and my sons, I'll pour out my spirit. He promised he would do this. Pour out. It's the word kinos. Not as if God was pouring something out of himself like you know, you vomit something up. You know, something comes out. That's not you. It's something come out of you. Wasn't you. But literally, God pouring himself into his people. That's what it means. When God pours out his spirit, it's not, not a third person. It's not another person. It's not a subservient person. It's not a, a, a smaller person. It's not a minor person. It's God. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's he himself being poured out into his people. That's why in this land comes the bride coming of Christ. Started out with the groom coming. This is now the bride coming. We're going to have a meeting in the air, yes, but not before there's a bride coming. And this bride has to be all the word. God in Morphe, what is it? Is him changing his mask. As with Abraham, God coming to him doing what he couldn't do by the flesh bringing forth the son of the supernatural and to bring the rapture, to bring Jesus back, the promised son, it takes the pouring out of God's spirit again. That's why circumcision is needed, which is a pouring out of God's spirit. It, it cuts off the reproach of denomination of Egypt. You see, like I said, we are circumcised as we read, circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Look at Jeremiah 6 and 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hear, hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them as a, a reproach. They have no delight in it. Amen. Come on. You can tell the uncircumcised. They'll sit like a bump on the log. They'll sit as stone-faced as they can. They won't respond to the word. They don't welcome it there. Come on. Amen. It shows they're uncircumcised. Come on. If you're in covenant with God, amen, you ought to be able to at least clap your hands, raise your hand to God, sing from the, from the depths of your heart. Give praise unto God. And not get mad when somebody asks you to do it. In fact, of the matter, it ought to be shame that you have to be asked. Amen. It ought to be coming out spontaneously. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come into the service. Welcome in the word. Come on. Amen. Going before it with dancing, with shouting. Welcome in the word. Amen. We want it in its place. We want it restored. We want it here. Well, Brother Tim, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not a, I'm, I, I'm just not responsive. Okay, you're a stone. But God's able out of stones 
to raise children to Abraham. Amen. Well, so you don't like that? Well, okay, let's see if we like this scripture. Remember here, the word of the Lord's a reproach to these. They have no delight in it, and their ear is uncircumcised. They'll listen to tapes. They'll listen to preaching of the word, and their ear is uncircumcised. They don't listen. They don't hear it. Or it's twisted by the time it gets there. Look at verse, Acts 7, 51. You stiff neck. Oh, what if you had this for a preacher? You stiff neck and uncircumcised and hardened ears. You always do, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Woo. Amen. What's he doing? You're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ear. You resist the Holy Ghost. Now, this is what happens with the uncircumcised ear. The Holy Ghost is resisted. Now, God required Abraham and his seed to be circumcised as a sign for the believer. He gives you the Holy Ghost as a sign. The Holy Ghost circumcises the heart and the ears of the believer by cutting off the surplus flesh. All the things of the world, the love of the world, the pride of life, the love of the flesh. And it puts you in love with Jesus with an undying love. Now, you know, when you are uncircumcised in heart and ears, you have difficulty having faith. Because faith comes by. So if you got an uncircumcised ear, then you are only hearing what circumstances says and not what the Word says. All right. Need some Holy Ghost on your ears. Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the Word preached. Receiving the Word brings understanding and obedience. The uncircumcised ear will hear the Word of God and either flat out deny it or doubt it. Uncircumcised ears will hear the word of God, but they hear it imperfectly. Usually because they're only hearing what they want to hear. Or they hear with such strong prejudice that they reject the truth. The uncircumcised ear will hear the Bible say, are you ready for this? That the believers will speak with new tongues and will dismiss it as workings of the devil or something out of date or something God used to do but no longer does because it was actually for another day. That's what the circumcised ear, uncircumcised ear will hear. The uncircumcised ear We'll hear days of miracles as past, but what does the word say? These signs shall follow them that believe to the end of the world. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's Jesus' last commission to his church. His last commission. 
The last thing that fell from his sacred lips as he departed this dimension from, for heaven. Stop here just a minute. You know, I was just with Brother Donnie and his family. And there, I was on my way to church just before she passed away. Sister Erica passed away. And first I got a call from Brother Donnie while I was still at the house. And he said, pray, Brother Tim, pray. Right now she's in such bad pain. And, you know, she's just writhing in bed and pray, Brother Tim, pray. So I prayed. He said, I'm on my way to the hospital. He got to the hospital, and I'm driving to church. And he said, Brother Tim, pray. I'm going to put you on speakerphone, pray. And we prayed. And the pain subsided and let down, and she became peaceful. And one by one, her family came in that day. And she was able to give them some of her last words. She, as a mother, she imparted some of the most precious things. The last thing she would want to say to her children. Took them, each one, one at a time. And even nieces and family members brought them in one by one and spoke with them. Had a wonderful day. Those were precious moments. Now let's go back 2,000 years ago. Jesus is leaving the earth. His physical presence will no longer be there. Be the last time he's seen. In fact, of the matter, he can't come back to the earth. Oh, yeah, he could come right now if he wants. No, he can't. He can walk down these aisles. He can't. His word says he can't. And he can't cross over his word. Even for the rapture, he won't come to the earth. We will meet him in the air. Amen. His feet, his precious feet will not come to the earth until, until he comes down on the Mount of Olives and he cleaves in two. And the great Armageddon battle is won. That's his word. He can't. Come. So here's his last moments to speak lip to ear with his, with his beloved disciples. And as he departs, it's like a person dying. You know, they're leaving this world. Their last words, last things are so important to leave with their loved ones. But here Jesus was not dying. But he was leaving the earth, going to the heavens. And so he said some things that that would be precious for to leave is something precious to hold on to. Whatever you do, hold on to this. And he says, These signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Last words. Last words, go and preach into all the world. Last words. How dare an uncircumcised ears to hear that that was only for the 12 apostles. Or to bring that forward, how dare an uncircumcised ear to believe that was only for the prophet, the seventh angel messenger. 
for his time, for his era, that we are in a different day. My Lord left us. Can I say it? Make it personal. The, my Lord left me his last words to cherish, to believe, and to practice. And God, by his spirit, is trying to cut off all that unbelief and restore our hearing from heaven that we are redeemed sons, restored sons, following his footsteps as sons of God. Amen. Like the second Adam. Walking, walking like the first Adam walked with God in Eden and say, be thou plucked up and be planted over here when a tree didn't look right. And the wind was blowing, say, peace by be still, and it happened. And he controlled the animals and everything on earth. He was God of the earth. He had control and power in him. And when a, you say, well, that was Adam. So let me just say, when a spirit born, spirit-filled man in faith, takes that word into his heart and places it on his lips. I know you're out there right now. I'm ready, Brother Tim. I'm ready. I'm going to speak to some squirrels. But they want you to speak to that problem in your life. To that unbelief that's been holding on. That shadow of doubt that's been hanging over. That atmosphere of darkness. Amen. Hey man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I quit eating squirrels a long time ago. If you want tree rats, that's your business. But I've had all I want. I've had all I want of armadillo, possum, raccoon. I don't figure I need to eat all that. You need another squirrel, that's fine. But what you really need is salvation in your house. Salvation in the house of God. People believing and speaking the word. Amen. And believing it there and and reacting to the word that souls run to the altar and are saved. Come on, we need an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Amen, where he moves in such a way, brother, that, that, that the word is, it comes and saturates us with his presence and life comes into the body. Well, amen, we need the word to be in the body where the sick can stay, stay there, that darkness has to leave. Dark spirits has to go. Amen. Every mountain Brother Branham said, when a man, spirit feels, spirit born, man in faith, takes the word into his heart and places it upon his lips. Why, that's the same as deity speaking. Every mountain has to go. Satan cannot stand before that man. I wonder today if you can say, the Bible speaks of, uncircumcised lips so then lips can be circumcised what about cutting off the utterance of unbelief coming out of your lips that negativity that doubt listen you don't have to continue living under a shadow the rest of your life this is where the shadows have to go come on church Amen. You know, every mountain has to go. Satan cannot stand before that man because his lips are circumcised. I admittedly, it isn't the millennium yet. 
where everything is subject to us. But even right now, even right now, church, the demons have to obey our command. And when we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. We are a people with circumcised lips. We will not speak doubt. We will not, sp- we will not speak um, utterances of depression. We will confess the word. We will speak the word and let it flash like lightning and watch Satan fall. When Adam fell, he operated in the shadow of death and darkness. Redeemed sons don't operate under death and fear and oppression. Redeemed sons operate under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ with the token sign of the Holy Ghost, that daring covenant with God as his representative acting in his name with power and authority over demonic realms. But uncircumcised ears only hear what they regard from their doubt as against the gifts and moving of the Spirit. Why? They have no heart for it. Their heart is weighed down with doubt and fear. It won't happen because it's not happening because of lukewarmness and complacency of unbelief. Then they dismiss it as something that it's just simply not for us. It's just out of season. So they make excuses. Uncircumcised ears hear the word of God imperfectly. It is not hearing the word of faith. It does not hear what the Spirit says. When the word is heard by the ear of the uncircumcised, they can't believe it. They become stiff-necked and resist the Holy Ghost and even latch out against those who, like Stephen, insist that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uncircumcised lips speak the word of God imperfectly or incorrectly. It just says, well, you know, it is not the season for miracles. The gifts are now laid on the shelf. Yeah, the devil did that. Healing is a minor and we have the word now. That's a lie. If you had the word, you'd have healing. You can't have the word and not have healing. You can't have the word and not, come on, and there not be prophecies and tongues and gifts of the spirit and shouting and dancing and rejoicing. You can't have the word and not do that. You show me, you show me where the prophet of God condemned them. He condemned them for doing it, you know, without having the spirit of God. And there they were, they were impersonating and living the wrong kind of life. Sure, he condemned that. But friends, what he was against was not the moving of the spirit of God. He was against people shouting and dancing under emotion and not having the spirit and rejecting the word. We are not word rejectors. We're word receivers. We have been circumcised by the word. Cleansed. Healing is only a minor when it's compared to salvation of the soul. Otherwise, it's the very heart of God to heal. He took whippings and stripes for your healing. Can I say that again? He took whippings. And stripes for you. Why, even in the Old Testament, he revealed himself in the name Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the healing God. God is a healer by name and he's a healer by nature. 
It is the very nature of God. I've already said it. Say it again. The very nature of God to heal. He says in Exodus 15, 26, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. That was the Old Testament. Look at the New. Matthew 8, 16, they brought unto him many that were possessed with the devils. Oh, if we could bring them to Jesus today. And he cast out the spirits with his word and he healed all that was sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Hallelujah. The uncircumcised lip will say, well, it's a word now. So we don't need speakers and tongues. We don't need healing. We don't need one emotion in the church. That's not the word. The word never says that. The word says if he's a savior, he's a healer. The word said he ascended on high and gave gifts unto, the, unto men. No word does it say he took them away. Uncircumcised men will take them away, but God never will. The word says that any religion without emotion is dead and should be buried. Amen. I want to pass out a bunch of shovels to a lot of preachers around the message today to bury your old dead religion. Amen, because if it's a real religion, it'll have emotion in it. It'll be something to shout about. No wonder people ain't shouting in the churches today. They ain't nothing been preached in a long, long time that would cause anybody to shout. Amen, but let it come where the word is preached. They'll be shouting. They'll be rejoicing. When the word is returned, they'll be dancing. When the word is returned, they'll be healing. When the word is returned... The circumcised ear will hear it and say, yes, Lord, amen. But uncircumcised lips give uncircumcised sounds. If the trumpet sounds from, un, from the circumcised lip, then faith will come by hearing the word preached. Amen. There will be faith for miracles. There will be faith for healing. But it must fall upon circumcised ears that understand it and accept it. Jesus dealt with people who gave lip service to it. But their heart was uncircumcised. Like Cain, the truth remains a mystery to them. And they can't, and and, and they just say, well, you just take it or leave it. You can't just take it or leave it. Either God will become supernatural to you or you won't go into rapture. Either one or the other. Amen. They won't take the circumcision mark of God in the ears and the heart. And instead the word becomes filtered through unbelief. And when the Holy Ghost circumcises the ear, it changes the way you hear things. You have an ear to what the Spirit says and the spirit says what the word says the uncircumcised ear will hear preaching of signs following and say well that was for day gone by or our pastor our church don't believe it that way or they don't believe in emotion we just accept the Holy Ghost by faith no you can't amen you must start there believing and accept by faith but then you must receive something For crying out loud, the Holy Ghost is not faith. The Holy Ghost is a person. You can believe all you want to. You can believe the moon is made out of cheese if you want to believe that. 
You can call that faith. That's not real faith. Faith is based on the word. Faith is, well, we just accept the Holy Ghost by faith. Well, that's an intellectual conception when you accept it by faith. Something happens when the Holy Ghost comes. The person of the Holy Ghost comes in like a rushing mighty wind and joy bells starts ringing in your souls, making this man circumcising the heart and cutting off the doubts and dissolving the fear. And when your heart gets happy, ha, your feet starts dancing. Amen. And your feeble hands get strengthened and start getting raised up to praise the almighty God. And there comes out lips. Come on. What happened when they got the Holy Ghost? They heard them in every language, praising God, giving glory to God, magnifying God. Hallelujah. I'd say that's what we ought to do this morning is make him great in our midst. Magnify him. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we'll lift up his name. We'll say he's mighty. He is great. He is wondrous. He is there to heal. He is there to deliver. He is there to save. He is there full of grace. He is there full of mercy. He's there full of love. That's my God. Let him circumcise every doubt and circumcise every fear from your heart and circumcise your ears and circumcise your lips until you hear what the Spirit says and speak only what the Spirit speaks and believe from the heart because you're circumcised. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what happens. And you begin to shout. That's what they did at Pentecost. They began to shout, glorify God. God took over their language until it brought springs of joy into their soul and they began to holler, amen, hallelujah. And I tell you, you'll see it in the church. You'll see it in the church when, when the church begins to hear with circumcised ears through circumcised lips, amen, and receive a circumcision of heart, amen, it'll bring springs of joy to your soul and you'll holler out, amen, hallelujah, that's right, preach it, brother Jim, preach it, amen, it won't be some dead formal church. It'll be a church on fire for God who loves their Lord and gives praise to them and are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Let's stand on our feet. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's the evidence of his spirit is you welcome and receive the word. Hallelujah. You welcome and receive the word. Why don't you welcome him to you today and say, Lord, circumcise my lips. I've been guilty of speaking my problem. I've been, I've been guilty of, of telling how big my mountain is and how giants the giants are. I've been too guilty of looking at what I see and not what God's word says. Circumcise my ears that I hear only your word, Lord. Circumcise my mouth that I speak only your word. Circumcise my heart that I believe every promise. I say, it's for me, it's for my children, it's for them that are far off. 
And for me, I'm going to stand right here in the middle of this river. Stand right here in Jordan, and I'm going to say there's a way made. Hallelujah, there is a way. There's a path into the Holy Ghost. There's a path that you don't have to live in sin any longer. That you can be an overcomer in your life. And the joy bells can be there forever and ever. God bless you. Father, take the words today. You broke to us the bread of life. Lord, we have laid it in the best that we've known how. We have preached what you laid on our hearts. We didn't, wouldn't mean to say it with harshness, but sometimes circumcision cuts. It does. Lord, sometimes words are there, and they seem like pain, but Lord, they're for our good. It's not for our harm. For our good. I want to invite you just to come in our midst today. I want you just to circumcise our hearts, Lord. Circumcise our, li- our lips. Circumcise us in your presence. Play that song, stay. Stay. I want you to stay. I want your presence, Lord. I don't want you to go. I hear your last words. I hear your words say, I'll be with you even in you. Go and I'll be with you. Oh God, I don't want to go through Satan's Eden without you. Oh, that yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I want to know you're with me. I can feel the rod and your staff comfort me. Paths of righteousness are made, pass through the Jordans, passing through unbelief and darkness, passing through death to self. Faith will come. I want you to come, Lord. Come by my way today. I've been in your presence, Lord. I heard the anointed preach. Now take the tongs from the altar and circumcise my lips. Take it, Lord. Circumcise my heart. Deal with it, Lord. Stay, Lord. I want to be in your presence right now. Sing some of that, Andrew. Just worship the Lord just a moment. Just keep locked in now, please. Just locked in. Oh, to be in the presence. Be in the presence of the Lord. Oh, Jesus. And I know what time it is. Oh, my. Because time's to stay. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Bodies were healed. Yes, bodies healed. That's a New Testament church. Families restored. Oh, families restored. Because we stay here. In the presence. 
a hold of him this morning. One soul just get a hold of him. My heart is burning. Yes, Lord. In your presence. In your presence, Lord. Lord, right here while you're here, just I want to just give you my doubts. Whatever is not a faith is of sin. I want that unbelief out of my life. I want to believe every promise of God. I want to hear what the Spirit is saying. I say, stay, Lord. I know what it's like. In the presence of the Lord. Oh, yes. Just forget time. And I know what time it is. Because time says Good things happen when He comes. Good things happen when He comes. Families restored. Amen. Restoration takes place. Because we say we stayed right here in the, in the presence, presence of, of the Lord. No one had to say a word. Couldn't even make. But I give up everything. 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 For this treasure I found. I never wanted to end. So I say, stay. I want more. 
Lord, my heart. 